You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Lord, please just bring your word to light that uh, you would use my voice, uh, that I would not be glorified, but Lord, you would be honored and glorified in what we say, think, and do here. And Lord, every word that comes from my mouth, Lord, please, please allow that just to be from you and not from me. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Okay, Psalm 21. Hmm. Oh Lord, in your strength the king will be glad, and in your salvation how great he will rejoice. He, uh, you have given him his heart's desire. And you have withheld the, you have not withheld the request of his lips, for you meet him with the with a blessing of good things. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. He asks life, and you give it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you place upon him. Uh, for you make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with gladness in your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will, be, he will not be shaken. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger, the Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will devour them. Uh, their offspring you will destroy from the earth, and their descendants from among the sons of men. Uh, though they intend evil against you and, dis- and de- devise a plot, uh, they, will not be, they will not succeed. For you will make them turn their back, and you will aim your bowstrings at their faces. Um, be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. This is a song from David in a time where he was in battle. Most of his life he was in battle. He had, he had enemies on every side, no matter where he went. He had enemies galore. He would fight even with the Philistines as, as they were his enemies as an as a ally against other enemies. That's his life. He came from being a shepherd and killing bears and lions as a teenage boy to killing a giant and into the service of Saul. He loved Saul so dearly because Saul was was the anointed of God. David didn't have enmity against Saul, though Saul had that against David. So in this psalm, it's writing about how blessed David is. Oh Lord, in your strength, the king will be glad. Because David counted on the strength of God. As I was reading through this and studying and trying to bring this to light for myself, I had a real struggle. 
I had a real problem connecting all these things until I really took in contents in context where David wrote this from. He wrote this from being an embattled soldier, watching his friends and family get killed, and being the guy in charge that sent people out to fight and went out to fight and battle himself, where all these things, his great victories, all of them came from the Lord. All of them came from the Lord. When he was not looking to God, his things failed. He sinned, and he was a depraved man just like me, and probably just like you. Um, what really intrigues me about this particular psalm is the way it ends in 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing, pray, we will sing and praise your power. Power is only one of the attributes of God. Only one. It is, it is one that a lot of his other attributes hinge on, but it's only one of those. I question myself, why? Why will we sing praise to your power when there's so much more we could sing praise to? But as I went through the very first, uh, the six verses, the first six verses in here, actually through verse 7, they show all these different attributes of God. They are not all of them, but they show up as strength, salvation. Um, in in uh, the uh, second verse, um, you give his, you give him the, you give him his heart's desire. There is you uh, you have not withheld the request of his lips. That's faithfulness from God. He doesn't hold back from us when we request something. He does not hold back. If he does, it's for our own good. We are too stupid to ask for the right things. Amen. Amen. I'm too stupid to ask for the right things because if I had gotten everything I asked for, whew, I wouldn't be up here, I'm sure. But that's that faithfulness. In verse 3, uh, it's exhortation. Um, in verse 4, promises kept. In verse 5, glory, salvation, splendor, and majesty. These are attributes of God. Hmm. The blessings of God in verse 6. Joyfulness and gladness are in verse 6 also. Then in verse 7, the king trusts in the Lord. That's faith that's poured out from God. We do not have the power to possess faith ourselves. We can't create faith. God gives it us faith as a gift from him. And it's faith to believe in him. Because all things were made through Christ and for Christ. And it's all about Christ. We are all about Christ even in our worst moments. Even David in his worst moments. The last one that I have marked here is in verse 7. Uh, it says, loving kindness of the Most High. He will not be shaken. By that loving kindness, we are held fast in the Lord. 
God cares about us so much that he loves us so deeply that even though we deserve his wrath, he decided that loving kindness would be the rule. Loving kindness through Jesus Christ and relationship with Christ would be the thing that would save the world. That was long before Jesus was born. It was already decided when God promised David uh, that you would have, let me see, I have to find it now, <laughs> that he would have length, of, he asked for length of days, and he gave him length of days and promised him that his length of days would be forever. David died. David died. His children died. But his lineage never did because of Christ. The lineage that he has through Christ, that is that forever that God promised. God, on, God doesn't see this here and now. Just He does watch us in the here and now. But the here and now doesn't mean very much to him. The millennium don't mean very much to him. Eternity is just a thought to God. We can't even imagine how much more there is. I, I was at a, a conference one time, and I watched a video about how small you can go. Your DNA has a zipper to it that a machine works in your DNA to zip and unzip and add other parts in, too. That machine has its own machines inside of it. This is all these things happening in your body. I've never seen my DNA. Uh, I haven't been, well, I've been tested for DNA for other reasons, but I've never seen my DNA. But God knows. And inside that motor, inside that engine that's working your DNA, God's got another engine and motor working in there. And most likely, there's another motor inside that motor working that one too. We can't even imagine how tiny eternity can be. But when you look at that, the immensity of how large it could be, we can't even imagine that. So David was promised forever and ever, length of days that long. That's our promise in heaven because of Jesus Christ. Our belief in Jesus Christ puts us in that same place. I am... Uh, so unworthy. I'm so unworthy to have God's word opened in front of me. But it's a privilege that I have. There's plenty of places around the world where this book couldn't get you killed. Still, there are martyrs all over the planet every day that we never hear about in the news, that you're never going to see. Uh, you're, you're probably not going to see them in the streets of the United States. Maybe. But I've seen, seen things in the streets of the United States that I never thought I would see. I never believed that somebody would tell me we're not going to pay the police anymore. Um, I don't want to get into a political <laughs> discussion about that because I have my own views and I will not force those on anyone. My views, though, are biblical views. I try and model my own life after the Word of God. I'm an Old Testament guy. I love reading the Old Testament. I love David's story. Um, the, 
the one part in here that, that talks about the, uh, I'm, I'm going to find it. It talks about giving David the desire of his heart. In verse 2, uh, you have given him his heart's desire. In, in uh, Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. When you're a harsh man of the world, that I can speak from that point because I've been that, that harsh man of the world. When you can change your focus from monetary things, from your motorcycle, your car, your home, your dog, whatever it is that you're holding up in your pride, to focusing on the Word of God and what He has for you, what He has in store for you, He changes your heart. And your desire changes to Him. As soon as that happens, even an inkling of it happens, God grants that to you. I am so blessed to be able to know that and to see that happening in my life and lives of people around me all the time. It is incredible to know that just like David, when I focus my attention on God, he gives me God. He lets me see God. I don't get to see the whole thing. I would explode or melt or evaporate there's no way i could even contain even an inkling of what god might be but i can possess god i can allow that to happen that's because christ gave us the holy spirit he let the holy spirit come back after he ascended into heaven to dwell inside of us and if we acknowledge that if we have accepted Christ and we acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is in us, it will grow. And you will feel more like that. I'm an alcoholic, and I used to tell people every day I was an alcoholic over and over and over and over again. Now, usually when I introduce myself, I'm a believer in Christ that struggles with alcohol. Um, <laughs> When I was an alcoholic every day, I felt like an alcoholic every day. Now I'm a believer every day, and I feel like a believer every day. That's all. You could call it self-speak. You could, do, you could call that uh, even self-hypnosis into believing something like that. But it is a gift from God to know that you believe in Christ. I am not good at it. I'm not. But the Lord's given me the Holy Spirit, and if I mention Him, if I ask His presence, it's here. Every day, every time, no matter what I'm in the middle of, because I will fall into the middle of depravity that quick. It doesn't take anything. I can be reading the Word of God and sinning in my mind at the same time. But I have this incredible forgiveness through Jesus Christ that saves me from the wrath of God. There are others in the Old Testament that that wrath of God came on them. David's enemies were those people. If you look at uh, the verses um, 
from 8 through, through to the end. It talks about uh, your hand will find out your enemies. This is God talking about David. It's not God finding out about his enemies. He already knows those. He's going to show David who his enemies are. Even uh, your hand will, your right hand will find out those who hate you. Some of the people that hated David so much, Absalom, his loved, beloved son, did a coup and chased David out of Jerusalem with an army and ready to kill him. And when Absalom died, David cried. Not a little bit of tears. He wept so loud and so long, his soldiers and his officers of his army came to him and said, you are disrespecting us because of your love for that man that wanted to kill you. We saved you from him, and you still love him more than you love us. That wasn't the truth. David had possession of the love of Christ, that loving kindness that God pours out to people. He couldn't hate Absalom. He would have gave up his life for Absalom, just like Christ did for you and me. He would have done the same thing for the one that hated him, because Christ died for us when we hated him. If you turned your back on a cross any day, any time at all in your life, you deserve only the wrath of God. Loving kindness, the attributes of God that I mentioned before, those things Christ brought to us and saved us from that. I have to remember that when I accomplish good, when it's actually something good, without uh, ulterior motives, which is few and far between, it's never me that's done that. My body's been used in order to accomplish that. Um, I do. A, I work with a program called Celebrate Recovery. I'm a ministry leader for that program, and. I get to see and counsel with people that are really in pain, a lot of pain, uh, loss of children, loss of a wife, divorce, bankruptcy, the depravity that alcoholism can bring along, drug addiction, the amount of money that is blown into that. I get to see all these things, but I get to be a messenger to tell people that's not what God wanted for you. He will use those worst things about you or that have happened to you for his glory. Not that you're hurt, not that you're in pain, but for his glory. I, I'm amazed when I think about the opportunities I've had to do that. To minister to some family that's lost a child. Or to minister into families that have lost men in their families through suicide. There is so much of that that there's no way I can accomplish these things. I'm a carpenter, a board banger. I know how to drive nails. And I know how to cut wood. And I can build just about anything I put my mind to. But that's me. That's a talent that God's given me. If I use that for the good of others, that's a good thing. If I use it only for my own profit, it's just for my own profit. God's not going to take that away from me. 
He wants me to survive. He wants me to have good things. He's not going to take that from me. But when I can use that for somebody else, for their benefit, without an ulterior motive, you know, it's my job, so I always have an ulterior motive. I've got to have money. I need money, so that's my ulterior motive. I'm after money. But when I can counsel somebody in a painful spot in their life and let them know they're not alone, when I'm allowed to do that, that's the Holy Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit is showed me through this, this song that it's all about honoring Him. It's not about what I can do for you. It's not about what I can do for anybody else. It is all about honoring Him. Uh, he, he goes through here in uh, verse 9. Let's see. Uh, you will make them as a fiery oven in time of your anger. He's telling David, you're going to be able to do that. Uh, uh, this is the, talking about his enemies. Uh, they, uh, the Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire will devour them. Their offspring you will destroy. That's David talking to God, not God talking to David. Their descendants uh, from the, uh, and, and their descendants from the sons of man. Uh, though they intended evil against you, and devised a plot, they will not succeed. Has anybody been attacked? Has anybody had someone de devise a plot against them and it actually felt like it, they succeeded? What did they attack? Did they attack your pride? Did they attack your wisdom? Did they attack your knowledge or your education? The, you know, the attacks that come now are less physical and more mental or more, uh, um, they're more financial. Those kind of attacks, those are still attacks. And that's people trying to destroy you. That's happened to me multiple times. The losses that I really incurred were because I was not working for the Lord. I was not worried about what God was worried about. I had a pickup stole one time. And I needed the money from that pickup. I was trying to sell it. And somebody stole it. They drove it less than two miles, ran it into a telephone pole. And that was, then there's my pickup. I did get rid of my pickup. <laughs> but I needed the money. What, I, I, did, I couldn't understand why that was fair. <laughs> and then I remembered Christ told us, you will have trouble. He didn't say, you will have a fair life. There's not going to be peaches and cream. You're going to have problems. But with those problems, we gain salvation. We gain glory and honor that we share back to the Lord. You know, um, if you ever heard me speak before, my favorite verse is what somebody tell me. James 4.10. Do you know what it is? That's it. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. I'm not going to preach on that today. I'm going to go to uh, 1 Peter 5, where it says, it's 5.6, where it says, 
And therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you at the proper time. Uh, Peter and James agreed with each other, <laughs> you know. Um, if, if, you are, if you're like me and you enjoy the Old Testament, look back in there and see people's lives. See the king's lives, because it's mostly about the kings of the, of the, in the Old Testament time. When they are humble, when they bring themselves to a point where God is more important than they are, they win. As soon as they don't do that, they lose. And in the Old Testament, they lose big. Um, we do the same thing here and now. We have this example right here in front of us of David. When David was walking with the Lord, his battles were very, they were, he was, he was winning all the time. Um, I'm sure that he had times, you know, acting, acting like he's insane to protect himself. You know, that's got to be humiliating. Um, I don't, maybe, my back did insane before and got away with stuff, so, um, which, that's another confession I didn't mean to make. <laughs> but I have. You know, but it's humiliating when you have to do that. Uh, God doesn't want you to be humiliated. He doesn't want you to do humiliating things. He wants you to be humble. You can have all the money in the world, and as long as you have a humble heart, that money doesn't mean more to you than what God means to you, it doesn't matter what somebody takes from you. That's how I got over having my pickup stolen. Because I only, I only needed that pickup enough to pay for it. Somebody else wanted to have that joy and that fun enough to steal it from me. Um, I win. I win. I don't have to allow resentment to overtake me because of a piece of property. I don't have to allow resentment to, to guide or, or to steal from me what God wants to give me. This, this psalm has so much depth to it. That's why I struggled with it so bad. I've had this assignment for quite a while, a couple of months at least. And I've struggled with it for a couple months at least because I was looking I was looking at it wrong I wasn't allowing my life to even compare anything like to David's life but David's life is a comparison for all of us to look at it is even the depravity that he, that he committed with Bathsheba. Adultery and murder. Set Uriah the Hittite to his death with the letter for the command for his death in his own hand. And Uriah was a faithful servant to David and carried that letter, not knowing what was in it, I'm sure, and handed it over and was placed in a battle where he died. Well, Uriah, his life could have meant nothing at all. But I believe it's in Hebrews where his life shows up again. 
and it talks about how honorable, how loving, how much he cared for God that he would go through that, that that happened to him. So even when Hebrews was written, Uriah was on their tongue. I would say that that's God giving him length of days, wouldn't you? Because we're still talking about him. And we will be until I'm well gone. People are going to read this after I'm done. They're going to know what's in here after I'm completely finished. Um, Which is a joy to me. Anything that I can do to help someone else just take a look and see where the word of God is, is active in their life. If it was possible to have just James 4.10 in front of every politician, in front of every police officer, in front of every gangbanger, every day, just to have that in front of them every day and know this is the word of God. This is his sacrifice that he would like from you. It's just humbling yourself. Um, what a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. And it makes everything else worthwhile. Um, it makes everything else worthwhile. I am so grateful that you allowed me to come and speak to you. I love to open my mouth and let the Holy Spirit take over. I love when I get an opportunity just to share what God's opening up to me. And I hope and pray for each and every one in this room that you'll open up this book and you'll read the unchangeable, perfect Word of God and understand it deep inside of you. And read it until you do. God bless you and thank you all. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.